and welcome to the Three Points in a Prayer podcast. The podcast where I ask my guests how they came to faith in Christ, what has been the toughest part of their walk with Christ, and what has been the highlight of their walk with Christ. And then we ask them to pray for us. My guest this week is a guy who I met through the wonders of Twitter. He's the pastor for outreach at Carey Baptist Church in Reading. He's written a booklet about baptism called A Guide for the Dry, and has a love of awful puns. Please welcome to the podcast, Richard Baxter. So Richard, it's absolutely fantastic to welcome you to Three Points and a Prayer. Um, as a pastor, which I've explained to our listeners uh, in the in the introduction I recorded, um, I recognise that time is precious. Uh, so I'm very grateful for you to, uh, to step out and take uh, some time to be with us today. I want to jump straight in. Uh, we know the format of the show, Three Points and a Prayer. Um, so I want to jump straight in and ask about your journey to faith. Tell us a bit about how you became a Christian. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's really nice to meet you. Um, so I'm going to, uh, there's loads of different ways that I could talk about it. I'm going to um, make use of something that I've that I've written uh, recently that might be might be published soon. In oh, a little brilliant. Book. Uh, not, not, not a book by me, but kind of as a contributor so I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd go for that um it's kind of written you know I'm more used I guess to giving my testimony to non-Christians so I thought this yeah. is more for Christians um so yeah my name's Richard Baxter as you've probably mentioned in your pre-recorded <laughs> introduction um but neither my committed Catholic mum or my atheist dad knew that they were giving me the same name as the 17th century Puritan minister oh, who wrote wow. the reformed pastor uh, nor do I think either of them expected me to become a pastor in a conservative evangelical or reformed church, uh, leading to me hearing a fair number of quite predictable jokes around my name, my theological <laughs> position and role in the church. But actually what my parents did do was love me. Um, my upbringing in suburban middle class southeast England wasn't perfect, but it was definitely comfortable. And I was part of a family in which I wasn't only loved, but I knew that I was loved, not because of my achievements or obedience, but unconditionally. And I, I don't take that uh, blessing for granted. Yeah. Uh, like many children growing up, uh, going to church, I found services not only boring, uh, but because we attended the Sunday 6 p.m. Mass uh, weekly at St. Joseph's Catholic Church, really being at church signaled for me at the end of the weekend and, and beginning to have to think about another week uh, at school. Yeah. But I continued to go with my mom and my older brother. Uh, and then at age 14, I was confirmed. Uh, unlike many of my peers in my year who received confirmation and then quickly stopped attending church regularly, I uh, continued to go. And in fact, I actually started to uh, enjoy uh, going to church at that point, I, I guess wow. as a yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I listened to Colin Bennett's uh, interview yesterday, and yeah. and I've I've met Colin once or twice, and and yeah, that kind of that similar kind of Catholic upbringing. Yeah, um, yeah. But but yeah, it sounded like I think he never particularly enjoyed going. With I actually did start enjoy going, and and maybe part of the reason was as a fairly um, uncool teenage lad at an all boys school. Um, yeah. Church was basically the only time that I got to talk, however awkwardly, uh, to girls, and so that might have been a part of the new appeal uh, of mass at age fourteen. It's um, interesting because um, I spoke to Steve Legg um, in one of the earlier yeah. podcasts, and he said that um, one of the reasons that he joined the boys' brigade when he discovered that it existed was because there was a girls' brigade. So uh, <laughs> you're, you're not alone in that line of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to think it did go 
uh, a little deeper than that. Indeed, uh, my, yeah. My, my dad was a convinced atheist, and yet I don't remember him ever trying to convince myself or my brother of his position. And actually, I'm not even sure that I realised um, until my late teens um, that he was an atheist. He used to come to church with us two or three times um, a year. Yeah. Uh, perhaps partly because of this, I'd always considered uh, belief in God natural. I can't think of a time when I didn't uh, believe in God. But around the time of my confirmation at age 14, I uh, did begin to take belief in God more seriously. Uh, I was convinced, actually, that Jesus is the Son of God who died and who rose again three days later. I even wore uh, a crucifix, perhaps to remind myself uh, of this faith, this belief, and uh, maybe to indicate it to others uh, as well. Um, while I'd always gone to Mass then about that sort of age, I began to want to and, and I continued to be an altar server until about 17 years of age. Uh, at one point in my teenage years, I even served for uh, Cormac Murphy O'Connor, who at that point was the Bishop of Arundel and Brighton and uh, later became the Cardinal uh, of Westminster. Yeah. Um, we, we, uh, my brother and I served for him and um, we had these special cassocks with like super long sleeves on them uh which yeah. we then rolled rolled up so that we could handle the stuff properly and then only found out at the end of the mass that we weren't meant to roll them up we were meant to have them covering our hands so that we didn't touch <laughs> the stuff uh, there we go no harm done i'm sure no, no. <laughs> um, that's really where i was at in terms of faith uh until i went away uh to university in mid wales Aberystwyth, um taking my faith seriously really as far as I understood it. And then straight away, I began to attend St. Winifred's Catholic Church and um, soon discovered that the early Saturday evening uh, service was the best one to go to because it meant that I didn't need to attend Mass hungover uh, the next morning. Um, <laughs> But yeah. as well as going, yeah, as well as going to St. Winifred's, I regularly attended the uh, University uh, Christian Union on a Friday evening. I mean, for me, wh why not? I, I was a Christian, wasn't I? And the only yeah. context, I guess, in which I knew about um, Catholics and Protestants, you know, back in the 90s was uh, Northern Ireland. And I certainly didn't think that had anything to do with difference of belief. It all seemed to be down to politics and power to me. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, as for evangelical uh, I never would have heard the term, I don't think. And if anyone told me that they were born again, I think I would have assumed they were telling me that they were an American. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the Christians there at the CU were a bit weird. They didn't get drunk. They didn't swear. Um, but they were nice as well. Uh, they were really welcoming and friendly. I yeah. can remember one guy in the CU gently challenging me, uh, telling me one time that he didn't believe that the Pope is infallible, but I was able to uh, assure him that I didn't think the Pope was infallible either. And so that was right. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the CU meetings, I think, would have been really different to the services I'd grown up with. Each week, a, a, par, uh, a preacher would visit, and a large part of the meeting was taken up with him explaining and applying a particular Bible passage, and that was my first kind of experience of of, of something looking like that in sort of Christian circles. Um, yeah. But I don't remember finding the meetings strange, or actually, I don't remember hearing anything that particularly challenged my thinking and belief. Wow. I know, but looking back, I do believe uh, that the reality that Paul speaks of in Second Corinthians 4 uh, yep. was at play where he says the God of this age, speaking about Satan, has yep. blinded, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who's the image of God. And I do think that was, you know, I think that was at work there. Yeah, yeah. 
And then a, a couple of months into university, uh, a particular CU meeting was particularly challenging to me that evening. The preacher was a guy named Michael. And Michael was from Northern Ireland and from a Catholic background. He'd been part of a paramilitary grouping and had built a bomb and that bomb had gone off under him. He'd ended up in hospital uh, reading the Bible for the first time and wow. uh, turned, turned to Christ at that time. Um, I, 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 he would have had a passage that he was meant to be speaking <laughs> on, um, I'm sure. But basically what I remember of the evening was this, 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 this Northern Irish guy, Michael, saying about a number of different things. The Bible says X. Yeah. But the Roman Catholic Church teaches why. Yeah. And actually Michael's, Michael's talk uh, that evening felt like a real uh, sledgehammer to me. It was uh, the first time that I can ever wondering actually whether I was uh, a Christian or not. I, you yeah. know, like I say, you know, born again to me was something sounded American. Like, um, yeah. I, I, you know, there was no sort of, yeah, you, you just, you are a Christian. You've been, you've been christened. You've been, been baptized. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was so to be, to be challenged as to whether I was a, a Christian was angering and, and uncomfortable and, and upsetting really. Um, yeah. But, but by the end I was like, well, I've never read the Bible. So I have no idea if this guy's telling the truth or not about, about the Bible saying this and, and my church yeah. teaching this. Um, uh, that evening, um, over 24 years ago now, um, I can remember talking to Jonathan, who uh, worked for the Christian Union, and he suggested that we read uh, John's Gospel together so that I could explore uh, what the Bible teaches. And so over the ne next couple of months, uh, leading up towards that Christmas of my first year at university, uh, Jonathan and I met up weekly to read and discuss sections of John's Gospel. Uh, to begin with, really, my idea had been to work out, well, this is what Catholicism teaches, and yeah. this is what Protestantism teaches, and then working out what, what fits with the Bible's teaching. But I think within a few weeks, I realized I wasn't clever enough for that, and uh, <laughs> I simply needed to listen to what Jesus said. Um, and as I did so, I discovered actually that my understanding of God didn't always uh, fit well with what the Bible teaches. I'd always thought that if I do these good things, this and this, yeah. this well, then God will be pleased with me. He'll accept me into heaven. But then as I read about Jesus telling us that anyone who sins is a slave to sin, yeah. I began to recognize I couldn't do all those good things. And yeah, that was deeply unple unpleasant. I'd always recognized that I'd done wrong, but I hadn't ever considered myself to be kind of alienated away from God. Yeah, sure. But I also discovered, of course, uh, in reading John's Gospel, that, that God was far more like a loving parent than I'd ever recognized. Amen. Just as, just as my parents had loved me, not because of my obedience or achievements, but unconditionally. So the father loved this world and gave yeah. his son to, to live that perfect life that I'd failed to live, to, to die the death that would have been mine and then to rise again, to, to freely give new life to all yeah. who trust in him. Yeah. Um, I think I think two aspects really that were new to me then in in, in reading the scriptures for myself. You know, I'd, I'd heard the scriptures read a lot at church growing up in, in a really helpful way, and in a way that actually evangelical churches tend not to have that much scripture read in the service. Like you know, each Sunday I was hearing something from the Old Testament, something from the uh, New Testament, something from the Gospels, hearing a Psalm as well, and um, it's yeah. really positive stuff. But there was something different about reading it uh, for myself um and and these two these two aspects really brought 
came home to me. First of all, despite wearing a crucifix across for several years, previously my only understanding of the death of Christ had been that well, it was necessary for him to die in order that he could rise again and show himself to be uh, the son of God, which yeah. which is true, of course. Yeah. Um, but through reading John's gospel, as, as well as listening more carefully to the preaching at the CU, I began to recognize this claim that Christ died for our sin. Yes. Really simple, isn't it? But I'd never recognized that, that he died to pay the debt that, that we couldn't. And Obviously, that far from exhausts the meaning of the cross, but it was at that time at age 18 that I discovered this aspect for the first time. Wow. So that was, that was one thing. And then, and then secondly, the, the grace of God, that, that freeness of forgiveness and acceptance. That's what really struck home, what really excited and fascinated me back in 1998. And it still excites and fascinates me, um, decades later. Um, so yeah, so, Growing understanding of, 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 of my sin and my alienation from God and that, that understanding of, of, um, what God had done, uh, in Christ. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and kind of stuff around, stuff around other religions and, and where, where does that, where does that lead? Leave my Hindu friend who's one of the nicest people that I know and, yeah, and things sure. like that. But, you know, kind of working through that and, um, in December 98, as I, as I walked up the hill to my hall of residence, um, at that, at that point, I, 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 I prayed, um, really, to yeah. be honest, the first time, you know, I'd been trying to work out the differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. And then even after recognizing that, I think I was trying to work it all out in my head. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. You know, not turning it over to God and, and prayed, um, for one of the first times, I reckon, and just felt this overwhelming uh, sense of, sense of peace um, at that point. And 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 I think you know, if you've ever been to Aberystwyth and you know the the hill uh, that leads up out of the town, you'll know that peace isn't the kind of feeling that you normally feel when you're walking up that hill. It's a pretty yeah, hill. sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, I would say it's at that point I went that I became a Christian. You know, I I didn't simply move from one tradition uh, to another, but uh, I went from not trusting Christ to uh, trusting Christ. I went from not believing the gospel to believing the gospel. I, I went from being under God's judgment to being a part of his family. So, yeah, um, praise be to God. Fantastic. Yeah, amen, amen. Richard, one of the things that, that sticks out for me in hearing what you've shared is a willingness to come uh, at the gospel afresh from having almost ingrained ideas from the sort of um, Catholic side of your uh, at the start of your journey um, an amazing willingness uh, to be open-minded when you and your friend at university sat and studied the gospel um, I think there's a lot of folk out there who maybe would struggle um, having had a particular side, shall we say, uh, ingrained um, one way or another, not necessarily enforcing, that's not what I'm saying, but, you know, um, so to be able to come to that uh, open-minded, um, I, I praise God for the way that uh, that you were able to come to the gospel in that way. Um, and, and uh, yeah, that, that's an amazing journey. Thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate that. Now, 
you will know, um, having been a Christian for a number of years, that um, there is nowhere in Scripture, and I say this to, to every guest, there is nowhere in Scripture that says that when you become a Christian, your life becomes a bed of roses, everything's going to get nice and easy in the garden, and, and it's all going to be fun and laughter and so on. So um, we go through difficult times in our walk with the Lord. What would you say has been the toughest part of your walk with the Lord, and how did your relationship with God help you come through that? Mm. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Russ. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read uh, two verses um, as kind of a starting point for this. Yeah. Um, so First Thessalonians, uh, chapter four, uh, verse thirteen and fourteen. Um, so this is kind of in the context of the return of Christ. Um, yeah. Paul Paul writes this to the believers there, brothers and sisters. We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Um, I, I've, I've found that those couple of verses really helpful in counselling believers who've uh, lost a loved one and, and who kind of think that they shouldn't be sad. Um, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be happy. Um, and 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 they're in heaven, and I know that they're in heaven, so I should be happy. Um, you know, that that those verses tell us we don't grieve hopelessly uh, or yeah. without help, because we know that those who uh, died in Christ, uh, trusting Him, are safe with Him. But at the same time, though we don't grieve without hope, we do grieve as as believers we do grieve death is still the enemy and, and separation from loved ones is hard um yeah so that those have those have been incredibly helpful verses you know to kind of counsel believers who who've lost a loved one who knows the lord but while these verses offer great comfort to those who who've lost loved ones who, who know the lord uh, as i said my dad and atheist uh, and one of the best men that i've ever known um yeah he collapsed unexpectedly at work in july of 2014 and then uh, died three days three weeks later without gaining consciousness and wow. to be perfectly honest with you russ i have no solid hope that he ever trusted the lord um mm. it was wonderful again to hear colin's testimony of his dad yeah. coming to know the lord really late in life yeah. um but i i don't have that hope um you know this 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 collapse and death it was totally unexpected he was perfectly healthy and everything um, right. and i can point to things like dad reading a copy of tim keller's the prodigal god that i'd given him about a year earlier and the fact that um my wife and i had felt led to pray for him a lot more consistently and, and faithfully during that last year and you know those are those are pointers um but i have no real confidence that my dad turned to the lord and so Right. So those verses, they don't apply directly to me. Um, and you know, like you ask, how, how does my, how does my faith in God and in, in what he's revealed help? I mean, yeah, the, the faith, the faith that God, God is merciful and loving and, and, mm. and good and will do right does help to some extent. But in another way, like these, these truths that, these truths about about eternity yeah and these truths that it is through christ that we come to god and that we have rest with god like it'd be easier to not believe that yeah you know in this case 
it would be easier to, to not believe that. So that's not as cut and dried an answer as you might have wanted, I'm afraid, Russ. But no, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's honest. You know, I, yeah. I still grieve and I hope, I hope that maybe, you know, someone someone who also has that kind of grieving, you know, is it's something that, that that we don't we don't hear about yeah that much you know like we want that we want that hope of course we do but when things are it's not hopeless is it because we have a god of all grace sure sure but when there's when there's not that certain hope yeah you know when you have been praying for someone and and seeking to witness to them and they haven't come to know the lord and then and then you know that their time has run out like that's that's hard and so i hope that you know sharing this which isn't isn't easy for me to do um sharing this it might might be a help to others to know oh i'm you know i'm not i'm not alone in this yeah in, in finding it ongoingly hard yeah yeah Richard, bless you. Thank you for sharing something so honest. One of the joys that I've found uh, over the last uh, couple of months of doing this show has been that people have been very willing to be uh, open and honest, um, to to use a phrase that is often banded around too easily um, to make themselves vulnerable. Um, But I believe when we do that, God does honour that um, and can use that to encourage uh, other folk. I think often we we find uh, and you hinted at this earlier on um oh i'm a christian am i allowed to feel down am i allowed to feel sad and whatever uh, does that mean that my walk with the lord isn't working properly no of course it doesn't those things are going to happen um but again as you've mentioned yourself earlier on we have a savior who loves we have a savior who never lets go um <clears throat> so um yeah thank you for sharing that i really appreciate your your honesty and your vulnerability with that um, the flip side of the coin, though, uh, the highlight, what would you say has been a highlight of your walk with the Lord? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Russ. And I guess, you know, um, there's there's certainly encouragements, um, so many encouragements in life. And actually, like, it's a it's a nice question to have got because we can kind of go go through life without thinking about these kind of things. And, yeah. you know, if you're a yeah. somewhat pessimistic personality, as I think I am, um, you can, you know, it's actually nice to be forced to pause and be like, someone's actually <laughs> going to ask me about this, so I'd better have something to say. So, you know, actually, just this morning, it, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, like, I'm married to a wonderful woman. I've got three wonderful children. Um, I'm doing a job that I largely enjoy. Um, sometimes I see people turn to the Lord and I see people make progress in faith. And I know that the Lord has used me in some small way um, in those things. I've had some kind of a role um, in those yeah. things. But I guess my, my biggest encouragement um, isn't an, an event so much as a truth. Um, so again, I want to just read um, a couple of a couple of verses, some words of the Lord Jesus yeah, yeah. himself uh, from John, uh, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 10, um, uh, chapter 10, verse 27 and onwards. Uh, the Lord says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So yeah, my, my biggest encouragement I think is, is, is that truth that the Lord Jesus speaks about that, that he has hold of his people, that he has hold of me, that he won't let me go, that yeah, even though I, I know, 
I would have messed it up a thousand times and, and I would have walked away. He is in us by his spirit and he holds us in his hand. He will hold me fast. And so, yeah, you know, kind of going back to the start of my testimony, like those, those parents who, who loved me, not because I, you know, tidied my room or did well at school or at everything on my plate but simply because they loved me it's that you know that gives you that gives you that security and it's that same security knowing that I was loved by my parents but now knowing I'm loved by the king of the universe you know and and, and who works all things according to his good purpose and and, you know he's never gonna let me go he's never gonna let go anyone who comes to him and that's yeah like that's in terms of encouragement yeah I yeah, I, I I can look to things in life, but looking look into that truth of the Lord who is willing to go to the cross to ensure that that would happen. That's that's the greatest encouragement for me. Amen. Absolutely. Now, Richard, we've covered our three points. In a moment, I'm going to ask, as we do, uh, I'm going to ask for you to close in prayer. But I just want to pick up on something um, which, by your own admission uh, on your Twitter feed, um, is something that you like. And this is this dear listener is not something that I've asked Richard to be prepared for. And I can see the look on his face now as he's wondering where I'm going. Um, By your own admission, you are a lover of awful puns. How did that come about? Where's that come from? Well, they do say that. um, I'm not even going to go there. That'd be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I. Okay. so I, I, I'm not sure when I joined Twitter, maybe about eight years ago or so. Um, and yeah, kind of connected with some, some friends and particularly Christian friends and then started seeing, um, these, these hashtags, um, and, yeah. and specifically these, these hashtags for, 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 for like these silly games, um, right. basically like, um, like I, i'm trying to think of an example now um like oh i i literally can't think of anything um that's all right <laughs> that's no awful so uh like I, I don't know like cake a band um and so you say simply red velvet cake or or something like that like yeah. some, some yeah. awful pun uh, and basically um yeah i mean uh i don't know if your pre-recorded thing says this but my 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 job title is pastor for outreach so yes. at the church, yeah. I, church where i serve like i i'm like my particular focus is is kind of on outreach and evangelism and uh that uh has yeah that 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 fits my passions really well like i really want to see people come in to know the lord um for the first time and and i i think kind of seeing these these pun games was just like a good opportunity to like get to link up with people that don't know the lord yeah um, yeah for sure you know i i i I'm, I'm, this isn't this isn't meant as a criticism but i see i see people kind of who consider themselves evangelists on twitter um like being really clear on the gospel but i just wonder how many non-christians actually ever see any of your tweets because you're not doing anything that's of interest to them whereas these silly silly puns uh, you know like there's this community of people that like it and then and then we follow each other 
and then you know they're reading my silly puns and then they're also reading something um of yeah. god's truth and god's word every now and then so you know it's yeah like and i definitely don't get that balance right there's definitely been times where i've just done the puns and and hardly said anything about the lord and 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 right now i mean i'm kind of on twitter a lot less and posting on twitter a lot less but yeah. uh, right now I'm, I'm much more engaging with 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 christians and and doing like christiany content and so i'm not sure yeah, I, I kind of you know i kind of swing between different things but it's been yeah I, I like puns and i wouldn't you know i wouldn't bother coming up with these silly puns if i if i didn't enjoy them they're just they're just a silly bit of disposable fun uh when you know like when you yeah lots of people have, have lots of different ways don't they but absolutely yeah they've also been this way to to connect with with people who don't know the lord yeah uh, in a way in a way that hopefully has given them you know people that aren't thinking about about the big questions so you know you'll get you'll get people who you know like a militant atheist who will who yeah. will want to want to argue with the christian um but most people aren't in that position and they yeah, so I'm I'm really keen to be kind of um, doing something to engage with people who aren't thinking yeah. um, about the bigger questions of life. And you know, if if there's a tiny bit of that going on through my awful puns, then then great. That's great. So it's a great <laughs> yeah. way in. It's a great way in, Richard. I'm conscious of time. Um, so I'm going to ask that uh, if you would, that you would close with a prayer uh, for us and for our listeners before we finish. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Russ. And yeah, uh, let's it's pray. been a pleasure. Our Father God, we do thank you so much for what we've been able to uh, talk about. Uh, we thank you that you are a good father and a loving father. Uh, we thank you, Lord our God, that your son, Jesus Christ, didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And we thank you, Lord, our God, that as believers in Christ, um, uh, and we can know his grace and we can be sure and certain in that grace and sure and certain of his firm hold on us, even when our hold on him is so flimsy. And our Father God, we uh, thank you that we can grow in that grace and we can uh, grow in our knowledge of Christ and of our, our walk with him. Now, Father God, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. And Lord God, I pray uh, for my brother Russ. I pray that you would lead him and guide him, make him aware of your love this day, make him aware of your goodness. And Lord, I pray that for uh, my brothers and sisters who are maybe uh, listening to this. Lord God, I pray that you would be at work in them by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord God, given them. Um, that 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 ever clearer view of the Lord Jesus and of His grace, yeah. uh, and of what a privilege it is uh, to live for Him now and serve Him now in every part of life, and of how certain it is that we'll be forever with Him and with you in our Father's house. I pray in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Amen. Richard, thank you so much. It's been amazing to hear your journey of faith, your openness and honesty, your vulnerability, but also the fun and the encouragement as well. Um, so I just want to say, yeah, thank you so much. Richard Baxter, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Bye now. And that's all for this week. My thanks for tuning in and listening. And please do share the show with your families, your friends and your churches. 
You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify and Stitcher. So don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show. And if you could leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice, that'd be great too. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by searching Three Points and a Prayer, where you can also leave us your feedback. And you can email the show at threepointsandaprayer at gmail.com. But for now, may you all know God's peace, love and blessing moving forward. Thank you.